Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 327th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on the way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Ashton here with you guys today. Going to do a little Ashton's analysis ahead of the Duke game. Um, the little bro has been begging and nagging to come on and talk some some Carolina hoops. Um, and I figured the day before the Duke game would be a fun time to, to get him on, let him talk about some of his favorite Duke memories uh, ahead of tomorrow night's rivalry showdown. We're also going to take a look at the first half of the ACC portion of the season as Carolina is officially halfway through. But before we do any of that, we start every edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And, you know, we, we've stuck with the, the Duke theme um, and the Duke preview. It was the part of the fight song that says, go to hell, Duke. Uh, the one that I the, the, the press conference, it was Michael Jordan saying uh, he never liked anything from Duke. And today we go to maybe the best quote Matt Doherty ever delivered while he was the head coach of Carolina basketball. Uh, saying, quote, Duke still has the ugliest cheerleaders. <laughs> and, um, you know, Matt Doherty's a man that, that I, 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 you know, I work in the same building as him. I get to see him once a week. Um, this is a guy that, you know, has ever since he made the comment says he regretted the comment. But I don't regret him saying that um, because it's it's very factual. Um, there's nothing like, a, a, you know, a, a, you know there, there's nothing like making fun of, of your rival, um, and, and even in this rivalry, we're not too good to make fun of the cheerleaders. Um, and I think Carolina's cheerleaders, they're better than Duke's cheerleaders. 
Um, and I thought Matt Doherty was spot on with that comment. Now let's let's go ahead, Ashton, and dive right into this thing. Um, the first half of the AC season uh, is complete for Carolina. Um, they are nine and one in league play, seventeen and four overall, and you know I think it's fair to say they've exceeded any and all expectations through the first half of the year. When you look at Carolina's nine and one start, what has been the most surprising aspect of the beginning of ACC play? I think the defense, because coming into this year, you know, we weren't expecting Carolina to be, you know, super locked down defensively. And I know it was made, and I know it's been made an emphasis by this coaching staff and just, and it's worked. They held, um, they held all of their opponents up to the Georgia Tech game in ACC play under, under 70 or at or under 70 points. So I definitely feel like the most surprising aspect has been the defense. And I really, uh, I've enjoyed watching Carolina play a few of these games just because of how active they are on the defensive end. You know, when Cormac Ryan is just, is just, um, is locking down people and it's just really fun to watch, you know, we're being, we're being long, we're getting deflections, we're getting, and defense turning into offense, we're getting out in transition. So I feel like that's been the most, um, surprising aspect has been the defense because frankly we weren't expecting this and I mean as early as the Kentucky game you know we didn't feel like this team had any chance defensively to be as good as they've been yeah I mean I think it's it's fair to say the defense the reason why I think I'll go rebounding is I've always believed Carolina's got the the skill set to be a quality defensive team it just never comes together because there wasn't a commitment on the floor you know, I, I was at the Lehigh game. I was at the Oklahoma game. So I've seen Carolina in person twice. And after the Oklahoma loss, I just didn't think they could rebound the ball the way that traditionally I see the re- I've seen them rebound the ball. And now they they're seventh in you know, now they're yeah, but they lost the rebounding battle. Oh like you, you won okay. you won a game, but you, you lost the rebounding margin. Um and now you're all the way up to seventh in the country in rebounding and the best rebounding team in the ACC. So, um, but the defense has been fun to watch. Um, It's really fun seeing Carolina get after it on that end of the floor. And it's to be, you know, those two reasons are the reasons why Carolina is where they, you know, are where they are today and hopefully are why they're in a great position to win an ACC regular season title, get a high seat in the NCAA tournament and advance deep into March. A big reason why, you know, they are where they are, has been the, the play of R.J. Davis, who's just been stellar. Um, you know, the, the the marriage between him and Caleb Love, it finally came to an end. Caleb transfers to Arizona. R.J. becomes the lead guard in the backcourt, and it's worked out well for both parties. Caleb is enjoying great individual and team success out in Arizona, and R.J.'s doing the exact same thing here at Carolina. We're only halfway through the year, but you're talking about a guy that's averaging over 21 points per game, shooting over 40% from behind the three-point line. Is it fair to say that he's already wrapped up ACC Player of the Year honors? If he stays healthy, yes, but he's got to keep doing what he's doing because there's a lot of good players in the ACC. So um, I, I, I've, got a, I've got an interesting player comparison here. I'm comparing R.J. Davis to Jalen Brunson just with the way that they um, – just with the way that they can create their own shot different ways in the offense. So I felt like I should just uh, bring that up. I do not feel like he's completely wrapped it up yet, but he definitely is the front runner. 
Well, it's all going to depend on how he performs tomorrow night and, and down the stretch. Tomorrow is the biggest stage in college basketball. And if he's a big reason why Carolina gets a win over a top seven Duke team and, you know, increases their ACC lead to two and a half games, it would be hard to envision um, him losing that award. You know, I feel like there needs to be a slight punishment for the Jalen Brunson comparison. You look, you're a Nick fan, just like me. And so, yes, Brunson is at the NBA level, fantastic player. He also went to Villanova and played for a school that we, we hate. So, you know, we got to find better comparisons for RJ Davis because uh, Jalen Brunson, the college player, not a really big fan of him. I, I don't I care think, about the college player. I'm comparing him to the NBA player, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, but, you know, we're a college basketball pod. We're going to think about, you know, our audience is going to think about Jalen Brunson at Villanova, and he won two national championships, including one over Carolina in, in heartbreaking fashion. One thing that I, I think it's it's fair to, to think about as we sit here today is how sustainable is this level of play? Um, it's why I thought the, the loss the other night, if there was such a good thing as a good loss, was was good for Carolina because it gave them a chance to, to reset their season. They had been trending towards getting beaten um, for roughly two weeks. They were just able to, you know, to, to, to win games down the stretch in, in, in close fashion. The schedule gets tougher. We know that as Carolina fans that – the Duke game really signals the start of ACC play as Carolina has a gauntlet of games coming up down the stretch against teams that are either in the NCAA tournament or will be uh, vying for a spot in the NCAA tournament. Do you worry about a drop-off in play as we get into the second part of the ACC schedule? No, because and, – and here's why. Because Carolina has proven that they can win – in so many different ways, I'm not that worried about losing against Georgia Tech. I feel like this. I feel like they are going to drop a couple of games just because, like you said, this is a gauntlet of a of a schedule the rest of the way for Carolina and ACC play. But I feel like this is. I feel like Carolina can sustain this success, and I do not see them dropping more than two more, two or three more games in ACC play just because of the different ways that they've won. They've proven that they can shoot uh, shoot the lights out and score 100 points. They won't, they beat Syracuse 103 to 67. They've proven they can win with defense. They beat Clemson and Pitt. Um, they beat Clemson and Pitt in low-scoring games on the road. And I guess you can throw NC State into that category as well. So I'm not concerned about a drop-off in play just because Hubert's done a great job coaching these guys this year. And I feel like, like you said, it's a good loss against Georgia Tech. It shows that you still have room for improvement. Yeah, I, I don't worry about it either because their head coach I don't think is going to let them. And you've got you've got a leadership group that's not going to allow them to rest on their laurels and think that they've made it. Um, they had an hour and a half, hour and 45 team meeting after they got back from the loss against Georgia Tech earlier in the week. Uh, there's a sense of urgency for guys like Armando Bacon and RJ Davis to get back to the NCAA, to get back to the NCAA tournament and advance deep in the tournament. The only way to do that though is to play at a high level throughout the rest of the regular season. Continue to build on good habits that'll carry over into 
you know, in, in, into the tournament, um, and then, and then go from there. So, uh, you know, we, we had a discussion earlier in the, in the, in the year where maybe a lot of people thought Carolina had peaked too early. And, and I never believed in that because as well as Carolina was playing and has played, I've still looked at a team that can get better and has room to grow on both ends of the floor. Um, and it's why I'm just really giddy about the, you know, the, the potential of this group because I still don't think they've played their best basketball. And I, I, I don't see them, you know, get, you know, getting, you know, hitting, hitting the cruise control button as we get down, you know, into the, the dog days of the college basketball season. Well, now, now we'll do a game of, of what if. Um, and the first one is, Carolina wins the regular season's championship if what is what is the answer to that question if RJ Davis continues to do what he's doing and Cormac Ryan finds a shooting stroke because we've seen a little bit of Cormac Ryan being doing a good job shooting the ball over the past you know to, over the winning streak but there's but we're, we're still looking for more out of Cormac Ryan and I guess I'll add something else we need to get the we need to start going back to Baycott. I feel like the past couple of games we've we've started going away from getting the ball down low and letting Baycott do his thing. And partially, I think that's part of the reason we lost to Georgia Tech. I mean, we didn't get the ball to Baycott and I mean, he he hasn't had he hasn't had the dominant performances. They've still been winning, but he hasn't had the dominant performances that he's been having. So I feel like the what if is I feel like the if is if RJ Davis keeps doing what he's doing, if Cormac Ryan can find his shooting stroke, and if if we can start getting the ball back down to Baycott, yeah, I, I think the Baycott points the best one. A lot of people in the fan base very critical of the production or lack thereof from the fifth year big man. But I mean, the other night he scored eight points in the first eight minutes of the game, and then he he didn't really get the ball the rest of the way. Um, to me, that wasn't his fault. I thought Georgia Tech did a much better job in the second half bumping him off his spot, but, you know, you, this is a guy you still should have forced the, the, the basketball into. And so I think if he just reemerges as a post presence, um, it's going to take Carolina's offense to another gear. The game becomes easier for RJ. The game becomes easier for Harrison. And, and Cormac's too good of a shooter, I think, to shoot this, this, this low for the entire season. Um, well, the, the shots. Hope, well, the hope for Cormac Ryan is that he'll is that since he struggled all year, he'll find his shooting stroke at the right time and lead Carolina and 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 basically shoot Carolina into the NC into a high seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, the best way to do it is to take better shots. Um, his shot selection to be twenty five years old and have played this sport um, for for almost six years isn't where you want it to be for a twenty five year old. I thought the shot selection the other night was putrid. Um, when you're shooting less than 30% from three, I don't think that justifies you going and jacking up 10 perimeter shots, but that's exactly what happened. But they're going to need him. Um, you know, the, as great as he's been defensively, because he he plays his tail off and he brings an edge because Lord knows that boy loves to talk. Um, you brought him here to put the ball in the basket. Um, and he just simply hasn't done that the way that he was expected to, but there's still a lot of ball left. And there's still enough time to see that shooting turn around and become a positive. Now let's flip to the other side. Carolina doesn't win the ACC regular season title if. 
if they completely go away from Baycott in the offense and he becomes a non-factor. Because, like we just mentioned, Baycott's the X-factor. If you continue to go away from him, like Georgia Tech, you said, scored eight points first, first, first several minutes. Perfect. Then they go away from him. They end up losing the game. Got to go to Baycott. Got to get him his touches. Got to get him his 15 a night. Yeah, I mean, I, they're good enough to win without him producing. But they're not um, good enough to win the. They're not good enough to win the games where they're like the Duke game. They've got to go to Baycott uh, in this Duke game. They're yeah, not I mean, good yeah. enough to win the. They're not good enough to win the tough games without Armando Baycott going off. I, I think it all depends on how they defend. If, if if the defense takes a step back, then I think that's a that's an avenue to see them not winning the ACC regular season title. Um, which is possible because they played out of their mind defensively, even I mean up until the Georgia Tech game, that was as good a stretch of, of regular season defense I've seen in my fifteen plus years watching Carolina basketball. And so, if if there's regression on that end of the floor, then <clears throat> then then maybe there's an avenue where Carolina loses a couple of games that. They wouldn't have lost, you know, had they defended the way they did for pretty much the entire month of January. So, look, Baycott's got to, you know, he's a big part of it too. But I look at it and say, if this team takes a step back defensively, that's a big, that's, you know, then then, then that's that's an avenue to where they lose a game or two that they haven't lost, you know, up until this point. Well, we, we've taken a look at the first half of the ACC season, kind of talked through a couple of different scenarios. Now it's time to turn our attention to the Duke game. And coming up next, Ashton's going to list his favorite wins ever over Duke, and then we'll, he'll give you his three things to watch on Saturday night. But first, got to get you a word from our partners. Really hope you guys use that autograph app. Uh, you know, it's 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 there to benefit you. Use that referral code, and maybe you'll you'll have a chance to win tickets to see Carolina in the NCAA tournament. Maybe go to the Final Four and have a chance to see them win the national championship. Well, Ashton, this is your first ever Carolina Duke uh, a podcast that you've you've been a part of in this capacity, and. Um, you know, for Anthony and I, the, you know, whenever we do our list, they're, they're typically the same. So, um, and you're a little bit younger than, than than we are, as you're just 15 years old. I I asked you to list your your favorite home wins over Duke, and you said that you don't remember a lot of Carolina Duke games, which is a cause for concern. So, we're just going to go with your favorite wins ever over Duke. Let's start from three and count down to one. So at number three, I've got the 2017 senior night, partially because that was a national championship season and partially because I read a I read a great book that recapped that season and just the emotions in that senior night for like the senior speeches for Kennedy Meeks, Isaiah Hicks, Nate Britt, all those guys. I felt like it was an incredible it was an incredible senior night and also an incredible game. So and so I went with the 2017 senior night at number three. Yeah, I mean, that that, that one is uh, – I did a list on, on the radio of my favorite home wins over Duke, and that one made the list. Was in Chapel Hill, went to college game day, uh, was at Sup Dogs, a famous bar on Franklin Street to watch the game, 
And, you know, I was a part of the first ever bonfire that they set after they won the game um, on Franklin Street. And being a part of, of that rush, being in, in, in that environment is something that you never forget as a Carolina fan. You know, you grow up reading about that, wanting to experience that because you only rush Franklin after you beat Duke or you win a national championship. And being able to to be a part of that um, is, is simply something that I'll never forget because it was Joe Barry's senior night. Um, I remember his senior speech, one of the more memorable ones that we've had in recent memory. Um, Joe Barry, my second favorite ever Tar Heel, went 5-of-5 five five from the three-point line, played out of his mind as Carolina beat Duke to uh, you know to ensure an ACC regular season title. Let's go to number two. Number two, I have Mike Shishevsky's final home game. That, I mean, that that entire season when, you know, Mike Shishevsky's swing song, that's all they're talking about. Then for us to go in and beat him in his final home game, oh, man, that that game was awesome. I mean, you had, you had Armando Baycott just dunking the ball, going crazy. Caleb Love went crazy. I mean, that game – that game, in my opinion, if it hadn't been for my number, if it hadn't been for what happened later that year, which we'll talk about in a minute, that game would be my number one. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, uh, not that I never go into a game thinking Carolina doesn't have a chance to win because this is the greatest rivalry in sports. You can literally throw out the record books. The, 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 the confidence I had going into the game, wasn't high on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but by the time we got to Saturday, I was convinced Carolina was going to win a brilliant second half performance. Um, you know, that was really when the Iron Five really was starting to become the Iron Five because they just did not come out of the game. It felt like the entire second half, you got the the GIF of Jay Williams calling the timeout as Carolina, you know, made their the, the run to, to 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 win the game. Um, and just seeing seeing the look on Coach K's face um, as he knew that his first ever loss at Duke came to Carolina and his last ever regular season loss was going to come against Carolina um, was just poetic justice. And having to go and tell us Cameron Crazies to shut up as he tried to address them in the postgame um, was, a, was a lot of fun. Um, and it's, it's a game that... You know, we will, as you know, for, for as long as the, the the Duke Carolina rivalry exists, that one in the regular season is as sweet a regular season win Carolina's ever had over Duke. Pretty easy to tell where your number one is going, but what is your favorite win over the Duke Blue Devils? The Final Four, which I do believe was the first. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the first time we've ever played Duke in the Final Four. It was the first time they ever met in the NCAA tournament. They met in the NIT semifinals in the 1970s. Okay, so, I mean, that win, I mean, how can you think of another win that's better? You you retired the greatest coach in Duke history, quite possibly, and I know you're not going to like me doing this, but quite possibly the greatest coach in college basketball history. You 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 can't beat that. So, I mean, just the shot by Caleb Love, I mean, just silencing the Duke guys, having the Carolina guys go crazy, um, you know, the crazy reactions from all the – from just about everybody. 
Um, friend of mine's dad went to that game, said it was amazing. So, I mean, just just an incredible game. You retired Shashevsky. That's you can't beat that. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, as nerve wracking a two two and a half hours as I've ever experienced as a sports fan. Don't remember breathing during the game because the nerves, the anxiety, were at an all time high. Um, you know, I, I love college basketball. I, I love the NCAA tournament. I love the Final Four. It's it's why I have the career that I that I have today. Didn't even really watch the first semifinal between Kansas and Villanova because it just didn't really matter. Even though you knew who, if you won, you were going to play one of those two teams for a national championship. It just it just was different that day, and um, when 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 Caleb hit the shot, the the sheer ecstasy that that ran through my body, um, you know, is 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 indescribable, and that 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 moment, that feeling of jubilation of of, of beating them on the biggest stage, retiring the villain, um, the only way it could ever be topped is if you met in a national title game and you beat them. Um, and hopefully we never have to go through such an experience like that again, but there, oh, there's, there's no, to. I want to, I want to go, I want to beat him in a national title game. I'll actually add one more thing, um, behind the scenes, actually. So my little sister, we, uh, we were watching the game. Addison was asleep. So we couldn't, we couldn't yell the way we wanted to. Cause otherwise I would have been going absolutely nuts. I mean, so so you you we had to we had to kind of temper temper the excitement levels for that for that game, but yeah, just just crazy game. Yeah, just remember that your little sister is my little sister too. So and I and like like you had to that night, um, I had to watch Carolina win a a national championship and could not you know jump and scream and holler because you know some two year old had to make sure he got his sleep. Which is- <laughs> What is more important, winning national championships and celebrating national championships or sleeping? I would I would rather celebrate a national title, celebrate a win over Duke than sleep any day of the week. All right, yeah. now let's 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 get to the task at hand. That is the Duke game, just a little over 24 hours away um, from from another installment in the greatest rivalry in sports. We'll go over your three things to watch on Saturday, and the first thing you have is perimeter defense. You um, yeah, and look, I don't think it's a wrong one. Duke is is the seventeenth best three point shooting team in the country. They shoot thirty nine percent as a team from behind the three point line, and after Carolina allowed Georgia Tech to shoot forty five percent from three on Tuesday, the Heels are looking to bounce back in that area of the game. Yeah, looking at just the individual guys that can hurt you. I mean, they've got a they've got the center Filipowski shoots who shoots thirty seven percent. Everybody, everybody in their lineup except um, except Ryan Young and Mark Mitchell are three point threats. And I mean, I know I know that's kind of typical for most teams. Normally, there's only one or two guys that don't normally shoot the three ball, but it's but it's the level at which they shoot it. Their their current. Looking at looking at, I'm seeing a lot of 37. You know, 47. That's Jeremy Roach. That's Jeremy Roach shoots 47 percent from the three. We have got to get out, get a hand in their face, and and cause those to be tough shots and not wide open shots. Yeah, look, they they've, they've got to close out better. 
Um, you'll see some five-out action from Duke, so their rotations have to be as crisp as they've been all season long to make sure that they're closing out on Duke's perimeter shooters. The second thing is a, is a, is a player, and then Anthony and I talked about this when we previewed the game, whoever wins the matchup between Harrison Ingram and Mark Mitchell, you would imagine that their team emerges from this game victorious. What are you wanting to see from Harrison Ingram tomorrow night? I'm wanting to see the aggression that we saw toward the first first half of the first, first half of the winning streak, you know, getting in there, grabbing, you know, a dozen boards. We didn't see that against Georgia Tech. We saw so we need to see more of the grabbing 12, 13 boards a night, Harrison Ingram, because, yeah, Baycott, Bay, because especially on the defensive end, Baycott's going to be occupied with guarding Filipowski out on the perimeter. So you've got to, so got somebody's got to rebound. So I want to see Harrison, I put Harrison Ingram on there mostly for the rebounding, but I could, I also want to see him being aggressive. You know, I don't necessarily love it when he just backs down people one-on-one, although it does seem to create good offense. I like it when Carolina moves the ball, uses utilizes screens, and gets a good shot for their guards. But but that's but we may have to see some of that because we may have to see some of that uh tomorrow. So I I feel like Harrison Ingram and Armando Baycott themselves are the X Factor. I went with Harrison Ingram just because of just because it's partially because it's his first UNC Duke game, but also partially because I feel like he's, I feel like he's been a better rebounder than Baycott, and we need to see more of that in the Duke game. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no denying he's going to get his his butt to the backboards. He had 13 the other night. Uh, six of his last eight games, he's posted a double-digit rebounding total. He's actually averaging more rebounds per game than points per game in the month of January. The biggest thing for him is just finishing in at the rim and finishing through contact. Um, The other night he missed four point-blank layups um, where he was literally in front of the rim and just couldn't finish. I love when they isolate him on on either side of the floor because his ability to turn over a defender and score is as good as anybody in the country. He's also a good passer out of the double team. Um, And so it does generate offense for himself, but he does a good job creating for others. And I want to see that tomorrow night. The last thing you want to, to watch, and I think we'll all be looking to see, is does Carolina establish a post-presence early through Armando Baycott? They did it for the first part of the game against Georgia Tech, and then they quit feeding him. That can't be the case tomorrow night. He has to be a part of their their early offense for 40 minutes. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Baycott, like I mentioned, Baycott and Ingram are the X factors in the post. I feel like Baycott has this match on Filipowski because Filipowski's more of a step outside threes. He can go into the post, but I feel like Baycott's got the advantage strength wise. So I think I think you don't have a choice but to force them to get the ball out of his hands. I think I think every possession we should have a Baycott touch in the low block until they stop it. I feel like we need to come out, establish the post presence, and if we can do that. I, if we do, if we can do that, I feel like there's a good chance we win because they start collapsing down on Baycott and we get the open shots we want from the three point line, which all in all should should give us a good um, good chance to put up some good points and eventually get the W. I mean, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. When Carolina plays inside out, their offense is at a higher level. It's at a more efficient level, and they score 
in a high volume. And, and so I think after the Georgia Tech game, there will be a, a recommitment to playing inside out. Hubert Davis always talks about attacking uh, the paint through, you know, through post penetration and offensive rebounds. Expect Carolina to get back to that in more ways than one tomorrow night. Well, I've already picked the game, but since you're here, I'll let you make your prediction. Who do you think wins tomorrow night's rivalry game between Duke and Carolina? So unlike you guys, I don't. I, I'm actually unbiased when it comes to actually picking the game, but I can't pick against. I'm sorry, I can't pick against Carolina when they're going against Duke. I think Carolina wins, um, and I think they're going to win it somewhere in that five to seven point range. I feel like this is the kind of game where it's it's really close toward the end, and then Carolina gets ahead, and then Duke starts fouling. So I feel like Carolina is going to win this one in the five to seven point range. What I do, what I am going to predict is I feel like Carolina is going to need to at some point go to a full court press to to beat Duke. I'm gonna. That's my bold prediction for this game. I feel like eventually Hubert Davis is going to have to put the press in, force some turnovers, and see what they can do. And and I don't. I'm not going to say necessarily they're going to be behind, but maybe just as a momentum shift, I feel like we're going to need to use the full court press at some point. And look, we're not biased. Um, I picked Carolina to lose plenty of times on the podcast. Um, and if I thought in my heart that Duke would beat them, I'd probably pick Duke to beat them. Um, oh, please, no, no. But I, I, I don't think that's the case. Um, and I expect Carolina to play at a high level and win the game tomorrow night. And what's just going to be um, – it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the first time that this game has juice in February in just about five years. You would imagine they'll do something to honor the 50-year anniversary uh, of Walter Davis's shot against Duke in 74 to complete the eight points and 17 seconds comeback. Um, you would imagine that maybe this is something they do publicly for Eric Montross, um, you know, just to really get the the emotions in the building stirred up. And I think Carolina is going to play just supremely well. Um, and I do expect them to win the game tomorrow night. Well, no matter what happens, guys, we'll have you covered. HeelToughBlog.com where uh, the site is moving direct, you know, in, in, into Duke coverage mode. Preview of the game will be up on the site tonight. Recap of the game will be posted after the game on Saturday. And then, of course, Anthony and I will be going live on the Four Corners podcast, recapping the action um, after the game on Saturday. With that, we do encourage you to uh, rate, review, and subscribe. You can find the Four Corners podcast Everywhere you find your podcast, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. Like I said, we want you to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you want to thank Ashton for joining me? We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels and go to hell, Duke. Sweeter than that!